Hello, I'm Rachel King, Associate Editor for Central Banking, and this is CB on Air. The negative yield environment created by Central Bank's response to COVID-19 has further depressed sovereign bond yields. Central Bank Reserve Managers, as a result, are having to navigate an increasingly difficult environment. New asset classes are being discussed, but there are additional considerations in terms of ESG requirements and liquidity. Diversification is certainly not a decision to be taken lightly. Here to discuss some of these issues in more depth is Joanna Lasker, Head of Official Institutions for BNP Paribas Asset Management. Thank you so much for joining me today, Joanna. Hi, Rachel. It's a pleasure to be with you. Now, you're responsible for managing um, BNP Paribas Asset Management's official institution businesses globally. So in your opinion, should central banks seriously be thinking about diversification more seriously in the wake of the pandemic? Sure, yes. Diversification, uh, as you suggested, is the key topic. And I would suggest um, that it's always at the heart of the conversation for central bank reserve managers. It always has been and always will be. So this is really by no means a recent change to the discussion in the wake of the, of the pandemic. Um, central banks were always thinking about optimizing the portfolio to achieve both their near-term goals, of course, and to be prepared for the next market event. That's what they're there for. So I'm not sure that the focus on diversification is any more serious, as you said, today um, than it has been in the past. The real pressure comes from the other point that you alluded to, which is the prolonged low-yield environment. So the question really is how to balance earning a return on the reserve portfolio, maintaining liquidity, and being prepared for the unexpected. So this has implications across the board for how reserve managers will think about their investment policy and what changes, if any, need to be put forward for consideration from a diversification perspective. So now, this is only complicated by the practicalities of the environment in which we're all operating today, many of us still working from home, which brings its own challenges uh, to the ability to practically implement changes. Then, of course, you have to think about the outlook uh, for different sectors and the role they play in the reserve portfolio. So with that in mind, obviously, there's lots of sort of moving factors, as it were. What's your outlook for both equities and corporate bonds um, as reserve assets going forward? Sure. So um, first we can we can think about equities. And these have been a topic of consideration uh, and more recently increased action in many cases for the central bank community, broadly speaking. We've seen many more central banks uh, seek approval to add equities, typically in a passive strategy uh, to begin with. Uh, to the portfolio, and many have actually implemented this allocation in the past few years or in the process uh, of designing their implementation strategy. So what is the outlook? In short, uh, it's a positive outlook, but we would certainly say that we're not quite out of the woods yet in terms of volatility, and there's quite a few uh, considerations uh, to keep in mind. One, of course, is liquidity, right? So equity being uh, the asset class that has remained liquid during, we could almost say, every market event. Um, and there's the benefit of, of equities allowing us as investors, reserve managers and others, to participate in the growth of an economy right, via the underlying companies, which is a different perspective uh, from other asset classes. And of course, there's no lockup period, uh, hence the liquidity attractiveness. Um, but opportunity cost is another consideration. And this is directly linked to what is currently part of the investment policy, 
or what can realistically be added to the investment policy. So we have to have a holistic mindset when thinking about the role of equities uh, in the reserve portfolio. And the other important consideration I would suggest is the extreme differences that can arise between uh, within a market uh, or segments in the equity space. So when thinking about equities for the portfolio overall, we have to think about regions, we have to think about countries, and we have to think about sectors. And then there's the implementation question. So if you're buying an index, you're buying the market, but you may not be getting the exposure to the right risk factors, right? The specific segments of a particular market. So this is where the passive versus active debate comes to life. Um, and I would suggest that the role of stock picking can become quite important uh, for those reserve managers that can consider a more active approach. There's also risk management perspectives uh, relative to a broad market approach. So you can argue for uh, the, the benefits of a stock picking uh, approach. So generally a positive outlook, uh, but quite a few nuances that are going to be increasingly important as central banks look to add or increase their allocation to equities going forward. So there's an interesting challenge uh, going forward as central banks assess the volatility that's going to be considered acceptable for the portfolio and then how to implement the equity strategy. And then of course, there's also the, um, the incorporation of ESG that you alluded to, which is gonna to continue to take on a more significant role. You also asked about corporates, where a lot of these same dynamics are at play as well. In terms of the broad outlook, actions from the ECB and the Fed continue to support the asset class. So one could argue for a constructive stance on credit. Corporate fundamentals look positive, right? Confirmed by strong, the strong earnings season we've just had. Uh, and cash balances still remain close to record levels. Corporates have also extended the maturity walls by taking advantage of the favorable rate environment. Then, of course, there's the question marks around the, the pandemic. So this is, of course, the most immediate threat to the growth outlook, but there are signs of a more modest, let's say, uh, delta wave impact on activity. Um, and we've even seen you know, some cases where there's a downturn uh, in cases. So these are all sort of complicated factors that have to be taken into consideration when thinking about corporates more broadly for the reserve portfolio. The other key consideration here is the ability to implement a strategy focused on security selection. And this is going to be increasingly critical for performance given the market conditions. And then again, uh, coming back to the role of ESG, a very important part of the consideration of how to think about the role of corporates in the portfolio, and more importantly, the implementation plan. Um, but before moving from that point, I think it's also important to comment a little bit about the, one of the key questions uh, that's coming to us from central bank reserve managers is about how, how and when, I should say, to rotate in the portfolio. So that's rotating between equities where they're eligible and fixed income, of course. But then within fixed income, how, how and when to rotate uh, between the sovereign allocation, so treasuries, corporates, and agency mortgage-backed securities as well. Then you have the overlay of, of, of ESG on top. 
So just thinking about this rotation question within fixed income in particular, I mean, if you look just year to date at the excess returns of the different sectors that are under discussion, mortgages, credit, uh, even high yield in some cases, emerging markets, mortgages, you know, have had a, have had a tough run. Uh, mortgages are negative year to date. Uh, because of the fear of Fed involvement in the market and, you know, and, and that changing and the taper that's, um, that's expected. Um, and our big sponsor will be leaving the market. The reassurance we have is that this is no surprise. We know this is coming. And as central bank reserve managers, uh, we don't like surprises. So anything that we can plan for is a positive. We know the announcement is coming sometime soon. The Fed is going to unwind some of these extraordinary measures that they've put in place. And mortgages have already had uh, their widening. So there's no surprise coming uh, about the taper. And as we start to normalize, um, it's going to be a more positive story. Um, there's also the fact that mortgages are short duration and relatively, I should say, relatively short duration, and will benefit as rate, r rates rise uh, because of the prepay dynamics. So we know that prepayments will, will slow down. Now, coming back to the question on corporates, the corporate index has nine years of duration. So that's going to have an impact on absolute returns. Relatively speaking, mortgages are shorter duration. Right now, so call it uh, in the area of four years. So, oh, and I should also add, you also have the nice advantage with mortgages um, of the monthly income, uh, which what brings a nice additional advantage in a rising rate environment. So all that to say, this leads us towards a direction of thinking about a more absolute return framework. And this is a topic that's coming up more and more from central banks around the world. It's not just thinking about equities versus fixed income or sectors within fixed income. It's about changing the mindset towards a more absolute return framework and how best to design or even redesign the portfolio going forward. So the question is really about the overall outlook for these different sectors. What's in the investment opportunity set? Assessment of the need for liquidity, how much liquidity, which is, is always the complicated question. And then on top of that, how to think about ESG relative uh, to all of these different investment opportunities, how it should get factored into the portfolio. I'm really glad you mentioned ESG because it's it's one of these things that central bank reserve managers are having to think about now. Um, do you think that the push towards ESG screening could potentially discourage reserve managers from adopting some of these corporate assets? So that's actually somewhat of a leading question, isn't it? Um, the implication is that screening, this ESG screening, necessarily leads to worse portfolio outcomes. And that's only true uh, in a modern portfolio theory framework, but not in reality, right? So now it's, it's, it's important to remember that this push towards screening is not new. It actually started more than 20 years ago. Uh, today, the push is shifting actually towards this concept of impact. And what does that mean uh, as an investor? What does that mean as a central bank reserve manager to think about an impact oriented investment in the portfolio? So to answer your question more directly, if central banks interpret sustainable investment, ESG, as screening only, 
And if they adhere strictly to a backward-looking quantitative evaluation method for portfolio construction, then yeah, sure, it could be a hindrance uh, to adoption uh, of, of you know, corporate asset and other asset classes as well. But it really shouldn't be, since we know that sustainable investment involves much more than just divestment. It's not just about exclusions from high-risk sectors, whatever, however you might define that, or high-risk securities. And we know, of course, uh, that modern portfolio theory has its limitations. That's a whole different topic of discussion, though. Um, it's also important to consider the impact of exclusions on the investable universe. Um, and it's a natural way to start, of course, uh, for many investors, central banks included. If you look at, for example, our what we call our RBC policy, our responsible uh, business conduct policy, which is quite comprehensive, I would say it only excludes a very small portion of relevant uh, indices. To give you an idea, um, coming back to, to equities that we were talking about just a moment ago, if you look at uh, the MSCI, we're only talking about less than 2% of the index that gets excluded. Uh, and then for corporate indices, we, we just talked about uh, the role of corporates in the portfolio. If you look at the exclusions that would be implemented from our policy uh, in the call, look at the euro corporate aggregate, for example, it's only not even 1%, about 1% uh, of the index. The US side is a little bit higher. If you look at the US corporate aggregate index, talking about closer to 6% um, of exclusions. But all in all, these are very, very small numbers. So all that to say, rather than being discouraged, we find that central bank reserve managers are carefully assessing what is the right approach for their portfolio when it comes to corporates or any other asset class for that matter, where there could be a sustainability or ESG implication. The challenge today is really one about establishing definitions, establishing criteria, and then consistency to ensure that portfolio goals are being met with it, uh, within an ESG framework. This is gonna be a topic of, of discussion uh, high on the agenda for, for many central banks around the world going forward. And it's gonna require even more attention as diversification continues for reserve portfolios. Now, outside of ESG, there are a number of other factors that are, are leading to different speeds of asset diversification within portfolios. And I think one of the most important things that central bank has to consider is higher inflation and obviously higher US Treasury bond yields. Now, do you think either of those could contribute to, to a potential deceleration of asset diversification? I would suggest it's actually quite the opposite. Um, the risks of inflationary pressures becoming more sustained potentially would argue for even more asset diversification into asset classes or sectors that have potential inflation hedging attributes. So rather than moving away or slowing things down, we could actually see uh, more of a move to diversification. So as we know, of course, um, you know, different asset classes, different sectors will have uh, by nature different sensitivity to inflation. Look at commodities. Returns from commodities often demonstrate strong positive relationship with inflation in the short term. But investors should be aware of the high volatility in commodity prices, which makes their long-term risk-adjusted returns not so attractive. This is a key, key consideration. Now, come back to our discussion on equities. 
while higher discount rates resulting from higher inflation can hurt short-term performance for sectors that do have pricing power, higher inflation can bring higher earnings growth. So returns from nominal U.S. treasuries are negatively correlated with inflation. So we're, we've gone from what's directly correlated now to a negative correlation, and we should not forget about tips, U.S. tips. So relative to nominal treasuries, tips offer investors explicit protection against inflation shocks and protection against deflation with the deflation floor that's embedded in some of the um, inflation-linked securities. So real duration exposures from TIPS also act as a hedge against risk-off scenarios. And TIPS have delivered strong risk-adjusted returns over the longer term versus equities and commodities. So investors really should consider switching some of their nominal government bond holdings into inflation-linked securities. And this is a conversation um, that has been taking place with many of our central bank uh, clients um, in the medium to, to near term uh, term past. So to answer your question more directly, uh, don't see necessarily a deceleration of this diversification, perhaps more of a increase in diversification and an, a slight shift in the perspective of what it means to diversify within the portfolio, taking into consideration a desire to hedge against inflation in some way, shape or form. Quite an interesting dynamic. Definitely. I think central banks have a tough uh, balancing act on their hands and we'll all have to watch carefully to see if they do alter their management strategies and shift to new asset classes, as you say. Um, but your insight has been invaluable, Joanna. Thank you so much for joining me today. Absolute pleasure, pleasure, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me.